Pastor Tim Taylor at Victory Baptist Church. They're celebrating his 35th year pastoring that church there. And uh, pretty cool. That's a church, for those of you who don't know, Victory Baptist is a church that has sponsored the camp that we're a part of for all these years. And uh, Pastor Taylor is really a leader among pastors in northern New England. Um, just a great, great guy. And uh, glad that my dad, he and my dad have been friends for a long time. So my dad's up there preaching today. So as I say... You're stuck with me in the Sunday school class this morning, so, oh well, that's right, thanks Jim, I appreciate that. Oh well, he says, that's good. I asked for it, right? All right, so we're in this series, super practical series, 10 Principles for Biblical Living, and um, this is, I, my dad already, already uh, shared this, but I should have done this, the author of this um, the author of this little book that he that put this study together is Dr. Don Sisk. And how many of you, has anybody ever heard him or met him or seen him before? Okay, Don Sisk is still preaching missions conferences. He is 90-something years old. And uh, I should have put this guy on the screen, but one of my friend's church, he's there this week. He's this little old guy that's been a missionary for, right? That's something? He's been at it. He's been at it. He's in his 90s right now. His wife went to heaven, and he still travels all the time. You've seen him before, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I should have. I didn't even think to get on this. You, if you search it, you might find him, Steve Don Sisk, the old guy up there in his 90s, and he's, he's about this tall. So, I mean, I've met him. Uh, he wouldn't know me, but I know him. And uh, it's when, you, when you've got somebody, yeah, right? He preached when I was in Bible college 20 years ago, and I thought, man, this guy is old, and that was 20 years ago, and, he was, and he's just still doing it. So, um, did you get to see him? Yeah. So, he's just been uh, super faithful, and so he wrote this book, this Bible study, probably about 10 years ago. Everybody's like, well, you've got to listen to someone who's at the very end, and he wasn't at the very end 10 years ago. He just doesn't, uh, doesn't stop. He's sharp, he's quick-witted, and uh, he served God, I think, for like 30 years in Japan, um, but so he goes and travels and speaks on missions. But it's always good to listen to somebody who's been down the road ahead of us, right? So you can have somebody like me come up and talk about, you know, how you should live your life and, you know, be in it for the long haul, but I'm just kind of in the middle of it all. You know, I haven't completed it or I haven't come close to the completion. There's something about sitting back and listening to people who they've done it. We had a group of pastors here on Friday morning or Friday afternoon. The, a, lot, a lot of the Vermont pastors get together every month for encouragement, and, and uh, we hosted it. We host every, every now and then. Uh, so they came down, and Pastor Taylor, who I just mentioned, he gave a message on, to all the pastors about how to be in it, stay in the ministry for the long haul, and it was really encouraging. So anyhow, I've just thought about that's kind of neat background for you know, why we have this little Bible study that we've been doing. And so 10 principles for biblical living. I'm not sure which principle we're on this week. It's got to be number four or number, I don't know, I'm going to go with number four. So the, the statement is this, and I think this is really great. Neither success nor failure is final. How many of you have had some successes in your life, some things that you can celebrate and go back? And then, how many of you have had some failures, some parts of the story that you wish that you could rewrite? 
And it's important to remember that success and failure are not final. And just that opening statement caused us to remember that um, it's possible to start in success and think, well, there, I've accomplished it, I've done it. But then to let something creep in and that leads to failure. So just because you had success yesterday doesn't guarantee it today or tomorrow. But then also, for the, so that's the warning side of it. The warning side is, hey, don't live on yesterday's successes, right? Don't live on yesterday's successes because there's work to do today and there's a task and a battle to be fought today and tomorrow. But then also, don't let yesterday's failure write the end of your story. I don't, don't say that, well, I tried this and I just failed. I've met a lot of Christians who they get, uh, they get started and they want to serve God and then for the first time, something comes and they make a mistake. And there he is. That's, uh, that's, you found him. All right. So uh, his wife is in heaven now. But okay, now you've distracted us. But we'll get back. We'll get, yeah, give me a warning. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, I know I'm successful or failure. It's right on my notes, right? But where did I leave off? Yeah, I would say it's not about the failures of... Oh, yeah, now I remember. I reminded myself, because you couldn't help me. Um, no, the, uh, I, a lot of people, they are, they're, growing in their, they're growing in their Christian life, and then they come to their first mistake, their first failure, and they're just like, oh, I give up. I can't do this thing. I can't, I can't be a good Christian. It's like, how many of you remember the first time you determined to read through your Bible the whole way? How many of you remember the first time you, you determined to do it? You're going to do it every day, you're going to read through. How many of you failed at the first attempt? <laughs> okay, yeah, you had all the best intentions, okay? But, the, but that doesn't mean you give up on reading your Bible, right? You just get back up and you just do it again. You know, we're, gonna, we're, we're people, we, we have shortcomings and failures. We don't celebrate our failure, but we recognize, and I think that's a difference from the world. Like sometimes in the world you get this weird thing, well, I made mistakes in the past, but I'm glad I made those mistakes because I learned from them. Well, we shouldn't be glad that we made mistakes. We should be glad for the lessons that we learned from them. But mistakes, we want to avoid them. But when we do make them, it's, it's not final. Failures, our failures are not final. So that reminds me of a proverb that says this, a just man falls seven times but rises again. He falls seven times, but he rises again. All right. Well, let's look at this story, um, Joshua 1 and 1 through 9. So Old Testament account, Joshua 1, 1 through 9. <clears throat> let's pray, then we'll read. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning, and I pray that you'd help us to let the Word of God and the lesson today speak to our hearts. Please encourage us in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Joshua 1, 1 through 9, if you don't know the whole story of the chronology of the Bible, um, this is, we are at the point where the children of Israel left Egypt, they were slaves in Egypt, they left, and Moses came on the scene. Moses delivered them, and that's kind of our reference point. Moses led them through the wilderness for 40 years, right? 40 years through the wilderness, and now they're about to go into the promised land that God gave them. 
So this is 2,000 years or 15, yeah, about 2,000 years before the birth of Christ. And Israel is becoming a nation. They're, they're, they, they've got the Ten Commandments and they've wandered around the wilderness. And over there is the promised land. But Moses, he'd been a good leader, a godly leader, but he had some failures. And he didn't always lead with the heart God had for him. So God said, well, Moses, because you did this, you're going to lead the people right up to the promised land. You're going to lead the people right to the promised land, but you're not going to go in. You're not going to go in because there's consequences for the mistake that you made. Didn't mean God didn't love him. Didn't mean that God had given up on him. But there were consequences for his, his, his failure to obey. And so he's not going to go in the promised land. So God raises up the new leader named Joshua. Now, Joshua, not, he's not super young. He's probably middle-aged at this point, and he was Moses' assistant. He was Moses' helper. But that's where we pick up the story at this really crucial juncture in their lives. It says in Joshua 1.1, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. That's a river. Go over the Jordan River. I want you and all the people unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Isn't that a great verse right there? I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And that's a promise, by the way, that while that's given specifically to Joshua, that's a promise that you and I can claim. We can claim that. Why can we claim that? Because who do we have? We have the, exactly, we have the Holy Spirit. When a person becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. He lives with us. He walks with us. So Christian, there is, if you are a Christian, there is never a time that God is not actually with you. He's in you. Now, I, we're not speaking metaphorically. Like People are used to hearing spiritual talk like metaphorically. Like, yes, well, you know, my, my, my relative who passed away, I still feel them with me. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the, the all-powerful Holy Spirit of God is actually, literally with us right now. We cannot see him, but we can feel him and we can hear him as he speaks to us through the word of God. And that's, that's what the Holy Spirit does as we walk through life. Like even just this morning as I'm teaching the, the, the scripture, the Holy Spirit is the one that's making it resonate in your heart. The Holy Spirit is the one that takes this and makes you read it in a way that's different than a history book or a novel or an information. It, it connects to your soul. Why? Because there's a person behind the words who's speaking to your heart right now. And he's the one. So when it says that 
that Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. There's nothing you can do to separate yourself from the presence of God if you are a Christian. So now look what he says in verse number six. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Why, what makes verse 6, what makes verse 6 so powerful? What makes verse 6, what makes verse 6 so powerful? Elijah, are you going to go down to the teen group downstairs? What's going on? Don't forget about it. There you go. Um, what makes verse 6 so powerful? Oh, that part, yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have asked the question differently. I'm sorry. The first part of the verse, be strong and have a good courage. Because you're absolutely right about the second part of the verse. God's fulfilling a promise, which is awesome. That wasn't what I was, I, sh I should have asked it better. So the first part of the verse, what makes the first part of the verse so impactful here? Adam first. So, at least the way I look at this is, this is right when Joshua's taking over leadership. So there's probably a lot of like, fears that he has yeah. about taking over, because everything used to be on Moses' shoulders. Insecurity, fear. Insecurity, fear, all of these things that are like, okay, now I'm the guy. Yeah. And so he's probably afraid. But yeah. instead of being afraid, he says, no, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to have courage. And I'm going to commend everyone else to be strong and yeah. be courageous with me. That's how I would have viewed this. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely here, I would say. What were you going to say, Josiah? I was going to say the same thing. That there are millions of people that he has leadership over. Yeah, responsibility for it. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I'm going to say the same thing, but also, like, he's probably having a lot of uh, spiritual attack right now. There's probably a lot of spiritual attack. You're absolutely right. Put five and six together. Put five and six together and see if you can. There's a lesson in here that I have found, and I, I wonder. The, put the, yeah, look at the end of verse number five and then the opening statement of verse number six. Those two statements have to go together. They have to go together. The end of five and the beginning of six. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. Why do they have to go together? Terry? Yeah? So why though? Why must they be together? Right. There has to be a reason. There has to be something behind verse number six. We can muster all the courage that we want, or we can try to, right? Like, hey, just be strong. Be of good courage. But sometimes don't we face things that we know, like, how could I be courageous, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm fearful. I'm afraid. And in fact, why should I be courageous, Right? Like you can hype yourself up, you can amp yourself up, and you can be like, all right, I can take on the world. You know? And it's often the people that are the most fearful that have to try to hype themselves up and I can, you know, throw it at me, I can take it. But there's no reason for us to be courageous. There's no there's not enough strength inside of us. There's not enough power inside of us for us to be courageous. It is only because of what he says in verse five that the Lord is with us. I will not fail thee, I will not forsake thee. So because of that, you can be strong and of a good courage. There's a story 
of the prophet uh, Elisha and his servant Gehazi. They're in this built, this house, and an army comes to take them captive and to destroy them. And it's terrifying. Like, I mean, put yourself in that position. You're, you have an, in, in like a horde of weapon, <laughs> weapon-toting men and trained killers. They've come to, to take you out. And so Elisha is like super calm, cool, and collected. And Gehazi is in a bit of a panic. And he's like, we're in, like, this is terrible. And Elisha's just kind of like Jesus in the boat, you know, just like calm, cool, and collected. And so Elisha looks at Gehazi, who's, who's looking out the windows, and there's all these people come to take him out. And Elisha says, hey, don't be afraid. Like, what are you talking about, don't be afraid? He said, well, there's more people with us than with them. Gehazi's like, looking around, like, looking outside, and he's like, what are you talking about? And Elisha prays this simple prayer, and he says, Lord, open the young man's eyes. And now Gehazi looks out, and all on the hills surrounding them is the, what was the invisible host of the angel armies of God, who would be victorious. And it's a, that's just a powerful, a powerful account where Gehazi just got a glimpse of what's going on in the world that we can't see. And you realize there is a whole world that we can't see. There's a spiritual realm. And so in the struggles that you face and the difficulties, there's a, there is a demonic aspect to it. There's a spiritual warfare aspect to it. And he says, hey, there's more with them. Here, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. And because of that, you can be strong and you can be courageous. And then the second part of the verse, you have a job that you're going to accomplish. You have a task. Each person has a unique calling on their life, right? Each person has a unique task to which we've been called. And what I've been called to is not the same as what you've been called to. And there are people that you're going to impact that I could never impact, okay? I don't mean to, I don't mean to embarrass anybody or, or whatever, but let me just give you a quick illustration, uh, a quick il illustration for a minute here. So Julian's with us today, right? You're here. Did I invite you here? You're here because of who? Because of Terry. And in the worship service today, in the worship service today, there's going to be one or two maybe college students that are coming from MCLA. I didn't reach them, right? They're here because Mike invited. And, and I could tell that story over and over again in different situations with different people. But the point is this. God has put you in your place. He's put you in your location in a place where, and you are the only one that can do that job. You're the only one that can do it. And it's not about your success and your failure. It's about letting God be the one to give you the strength. God be the one to give you the courage. God will accomplish through you. And Joshua, it's, it's and here's what's kind of cool. God was going to do this. This was going to happen, right? Because like Kathy said, this was promised years and years before. It was going to happen. Joshua just happened to be the one that had to stand in the shoes of the guy who was, God was going to use, right? But if Joshua, if Joshua didn't want to do it, God would have found somebody else to do it. 
But God said, Joshua, you're going to, it was his work, it's God's work. And our lives, our lives are about accomplishing God's work. We talked about this last Sunday morning and on Wednesday night. I would encourage you, um, as we're going through the Gospel of Matthew on Sunday mornings, we're then having a discussion group on Wednesday nights around it. And it's been really good. And so on, um, on Sunday last and on Wednesday, we spoke about the fact that we're salt and light. We're called to be difference makers. And God will use our successes and God will use our failures in that. All right, where are we now? Verse number, let's read on. Verse number seven now. Verse seven. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Okay, so thinking of success and failure, if you look at verse number 7, we're going to have strength, we're going to have courage, verse 7. But what is going to be one of the keys to our success, according to verse number 7, what is going to determine our success and failure as Christians? And in fact, we were just talking about this in the back room. I was giving Adam and Travis a hard time talking about the football, the, the, the sound of football echoing through the halls. It was good, though. And we talked about the spiritual application there. But if you look at uh, verse uh, uh, Travis was like, don't go too far to the left. Don't, we didn't even know the verse was coming, right? So, but what is the key to success and what is the indicator of failure in this verse? Is it your skills and abilities? Is it your talent? Is it your training? What is the key to success or failure in the Christian life? Yeah. It's, just, it's obedience to the word of God. Are you simply doing what God has asked you to do? Joshua could get really focused on, on, okay, I've got to lead these people across the Jordan River, and then I've got to conquer Jericho, and I've got to conquer all these other countries. Could, is God eventually going to reveal specific plans for all of those things? Yes or no? Absolutely. But at the beginning, at the very beginning of the mission, Joshua's probably thinking, okay, what do I do next? And what's my strategic move? And what's the speech I should give to the people? But that is not the very first thing that God says to him. The first thing God says to him is to do what? Well, he says, open the book and obey it. He says, just open the book and obey it. You need to observe to do all the law that Moses gave you. Yes. Yeah. And it, that literally means, what did God say in his word? Do it. Do it. There's a, there's a saying that people use a lot right now, and that's helpful. People are like, they're worried about life. I want to be a success. I don't want to be a failure. What do I do? What, what move do I make? What decision do I make? And, people, and I've heard Christian people use this saying, and I think it's really helpful to say, just do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. 
And the next right thing could be really simple. It could be, well, it's Saturday night, tomorrow is Sunday, I'm going to get up and I'm going to head to church. It could be, you know what, uh, I've got a job to do and the Lord told me to, uh, to be a good employee, so tomorrow I'm going to go to work and I'm going to do it well for the glory of God. In just obeying day after day after day, simple things. He says this, if you do that, if you don't turn to the right or the left, you just stay fixed on, on God's word and God's truth, and just instead of worrying about all the great big issues, just focus on this book, on what God said. He says, then you're going to what at the end of the verse? You're going to what? You're going to prosper. It's going to go well wherever you go. So as you walk, you do the next right thing and you let God lead you. Now we're in verse uh, number eight. He, he talks even more about it. Verse number eight. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy what? Mouth. This implies what? That he's not just reading it, but he's speaking it. The word of God. The law of God. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. It's interesting as we kind of just introduce this idea that failure and success, success and failure are not final. What determines if your life is a success or not? Yeah, your walk with the Lord. That is it. That is it. It's not how, if you, if you got the job you wanted or the career you hoped for. It's not if you, uh, if, it's not if, um, you know, your business grew how you wanted it to or you were able to buy all the things you wanted or retire the way you wanted or if, you know, any human measure of success is not God's measure of success. And that is why, by the way, failure and success is not final. Because it's never the wrong time to restart your walk with God. So you could say, listen, you could say, but I messed so many things up. I messed up my family. But wait a minute. Just come back to God and he can redefine success for the rest of your life. When you walk with him and just obey what he said to do. Now, it's better if you start early and you don't stop, and you just keep walking successfully with God. But you can always get back to God. You can always get back to obedience. You can always get back to walking with Him. And these are promises that I just learned as a child, and it became, it became, I learned these scriptures when I was young, and they became the background of my life. I didn't wake up every day and quote this verse, but I knew this. And from time to time, I would come back to it. And it just was built into the background of my life. And that's what we need as Christians. We need the truths of God's word as the built-in background of our life where we say, wait a minute, God said that if I obey him, if I walk in his word and I don't depart from it, he's going to make my life turn out. And maybe not turn out how I would imagine it, but in his eyes, it's going to be a success. 
And after all, he's the only one that we need to please anyway, right? So, you're raising your kids or you're at a different stage of life or whatever, and, and you're like, well, I was, I was pretty faithfully following God in this area, but then this circumstance crept in. It's like, oh, I, I don't know, what should I do now? What, you just keep following God. You don't let anything change. There's, there's certain things that are just predecided for us in our lives. Observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. See, he echoes verse number 6. He says it to him twice. Why do you think he says it to him twice? Why do you think he says it to him twice? Yeah, he's going to feel it. Why would we be reminded again and again, be strong and have a good courage? Because the temptation to wimp out is going to come back to us. Yeah. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Did you see how that's the bookend of the passage? It's the bookend of the passage. He's with you, so be strong. Keep the law, obey the word, walk with God. Be strong because he's with you. That's the structure. He's with you, be strong. Obey. Be strong because he's with you. And because of that, success and failure are not final. We can always walk with God. And there's a lot of notes on this page. I, don't, I guess we should get to those at some point, but maybe next time we're, we're together we'll do that. Let's pray. God, help us to really walk with you. Lord, we need courage. I, everybody in here is facing a different temptation, a different area of weakness, and we know, we recognize that we need your courage. We need your strength. So for whatever the situation is that we face, help us to believe you and trust you and follow you. And Lord, we will remember that any success goes to your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. We're dismissed for a few minutes. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.